Hello, this is Jesse Weiler for Adoramus Bulletin. On this episode, I speak with Roland Millar, who is a graduate of the Liturgical Institute and Vice President of Curriculum and Director of Shepherd's Heart at the St. John Paul II Foundation. He recently wrote an article for Adoramus Bulletin titled, Source, Sign, Celebration, and Service, Fundamentals of the Church's Eucharistic Mission. This was an amazing conversation. I was so happy to hear a little more about this topic than he wrote in the article. So without further ado, another Adoramus interview. Hi, Roland. How are you doing today? Doing well, Jesse. How are you? I'm doing really well. Uh, I, as we were talking before the show, I'm just on, on the heels of a lengthy paternity leave. So getting back into the, the swing of work things has been difficult, but I'm here. I'm present. Uh, just just read your article for Adoramus, and I'm very excited to talk uh, about this topic. And my first question is, why did you write this article in the first place? Has this been something that you've been working on for a while or what, 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 uh, what persuaded you to work on this? Just the, uh, the conversation, um, you know, among the, the U S bishops, right. Debating a, a document, which at the time didn't exist. Right. I mean, the conversation was whether or not to even draft a, a document on the Eucharist um, in part, right. I mean, it's because at some point the conversation narrowed to a very, um, small portion, this idea of Eucharistic coherence, but Eucharistic coherence narrowly conceived as whether or not, you know, pro-abortion politicians, uh, obviously Catholic ones, can receive Holy Communion. And that, you know, to my mind was was missing the the larger point, right? I mean, the U.S. bishops wanted to address, you know, the the stats that everyone banters about, right? I mean, this 2019 Pew Research study that unveiled that unsettling news that only 31% of Catholics believe in the real presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist, right? I mean, in other words, we're in need of a Eucharistic revival, and hence um, what was initially called for by uh, Bishop Barron, and now uh, that mantle is passed over to uh, Bishop Cozens, the Diocese of, of Crookston, right? Beginning, um, I believe, the Feast of Corpus Christi this year, right? And the U.S. bishops are planning three years of this Eucharistic revival. Uh, and so that was really kind of the, the impetus and the whole notion of, of dry bones comes from the prophet Ezekiel, right? In, in Ezekiel 37, I mean, the Lord exhorts Ezekiel with these words, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. And so in the article, right, I just try to identify, you know, what are these dry bones, right? Because most of the time when people want to identify the root of the crisis, they just want to point to poor catechesis, poor doctrine. And that's certainly true, right? I mean, that may, there has been maybe a period of a poor catechesis, but I outline in the, in the article three dry bones, right? Poor catechesis, uh, liturgy that's poorly celebrated, and then a lack of the integration between uh, the Eucharist and life. And really, uh, Pope Benedict's the 16th first encyclical Deus Caritas S was kind of a, an impetus, right? I mean, he describes the, the three missions of the church as kerygma, uh, liturgia, diaconia, right? And so I use that, the kerygma, right? the, diac- the liturgy, the liturgy, diaconia, right? charity, 
as ways to frame those uh, those three three dry bones. I don't. Uh, I want to talk about that stat again real quick because you know we all know that that's referenced a lot in the church right now, and in some ways I think it's the new quote unquote the new evangelization. <laughs> so like now that that's like the key thing. Um, my concern as somebody who studies liturgy, not unlike yourself, is that I think my worry is that the number is actually worse than 31% in so far as, yes, it's the real presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, but it, it, it is us, it's us in the sacrifice as well. And so I would, I would argue that it's almost still an incomplete understanding of what the Eucharist is and, and, the, and the sacrifice in the altar, because it's one thing to say, yes, 1,000%, I believe that is fully Christ, right, in the Eucharist. But it's another thing to actually understand our active participation and our role in the Mass, that we're putting ourselves uh, on the altar as well. Do you think that's a that's a fair concern? Yeah, in part, uh, that's why I, you know, the third part of the article, right, I mean, I'm interested also in that that notion of of integration right i mean in other words you know do we you know to kind of paraphrase from saint augustine right i mean do we become like that we we have received right i mean are we living that eucharistic life right is our you know is our lives as christians an extension of the liturgy that we have participated in right and so i mean the one hand yes right there is the real presence of you know, Christ in the Holy Eucharist, that sacramental presence. But then in turn, does that transform, you know, the people who are receiving Holy Communion? In fact, I mean, that's the, that's the dismissal, right? I mean, the whole notion of, of Misa S, right? I mean, being sent forth, right? You are to become like that which you have, have received. And that's what the, you know, some of the saints that I, I highlight in the article, not in any detail, right? But I mean, someone like St. Teresa of Calcutta, for example, right? I mean, to this day, right? the missionaries to charity, I mean, they, they have mass and a holy hour, and then that in turn translates into how they live a Eucharistic life, right? Or to borrow from Pope Benedict, he has that um, really kind of startling phrase in Deus Caritas S, right? A Eucharist which does not pass over into a concrete expression for love for neighbor is intrinsically fragmented, right? I mean, just think about that phrase, right? But you're saying the Eucharist, the mass is incomplete Right? If it does not, in turn, you know, pass over into this expression of love for neighbor, right? It seems to some degree scandalous, right? I mean, the sacrifice is completed by the offering of the mass, right? But I mean, Pope Benedict's point is is really just kind of that union between those two commandments that God Himself has given us: you shall love the Lord your God, and then you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, and this is kind of the the division we constantly find ourselves in, right? You have people who are interested in the liturgy on the one hand, or you have people that are interested in, in social justice or social, social doctrine. And sometimes it seems like never the two shall meet. But when you look at the liturgical movement, right? And you look at saints like St. Saint Teresa of Calcutta, right? They, they would find that opposition very strange, right? I mean, they, they would not separate these two things because it is, right? In the words of Pope Benedict, intrinsically fragmented, right? And you see this in, in St. Augustine, when he's talking about the notion of sacrifice, right, in um, the city of God, you know, I, I think book 10, right, um, you know, he, he speaks of that sacrifice being communion, right, that is the union of, of the faithful, right, that union in, 
in charity, right? I mean, I mean, and as we know right now, more than ever, when we're fragmented and and divided, right? The Eucharist is a sign of what we're we're called to be, but certainly, you know, are not. Absolutely, and uh, I would love to have you write an article for Adoramus about building the bridge between right worship and and right. Uh, uh, sacramental life, because I think that's the divide there, right? We either called, you know, we might have uh, a preference rather to right worship and, or not, I, you know, and not and, or, but, or, uh, you know, that sanctification in the world part. And I think that's a bridge that we really need to work on, but that, uh, that that's for another time. I want to get into this this template that you use from Deus Caritas S from from Pope Benedict. Uh, you know these three stages. So so let's let's go through the first one, Kerygma, right? So why is that an integral launching point for all of this? Well, the Kerygma, right? I mean, it's the. I mean, like you, um, you know, I, I I believe you went to a Catholic high school, but I, I as well went to a Catholic high school, but also. So it's a product of, of Catholic education, Catholic elementary school, high school, college, grad school, and then obviously uh, beyond, right? It's all I've ever known. But I, I, I don't, you know, recall often, you know, at least in the earlier part, it's not to say that it wasn't, but really kind of the presentation of the charisma, right? I mean, I, I certainly learned a lot about Jesus and about the church, right? And of course, the charisma is the foundation, right? The charisma is simply the the good news, right? It's the message that, you know, Christ has, has not only died, but conquered death with, with the glory of, of the resurrection, right? I mean, the words of, of Pope Benedict, the charisma of Christ who, who died and, and, and rose from the dead, the charisma of God's absolute and total love for every man, every woman, which culminated in the sending and his sending the eternal and only begotten son, the Lord Jesus, who did not scorn to take on the poverty of hum, our human nature, loving it and redeeming it from sin and death the offering of himself on the cross, right? I mean, at the end of the day, right, it's not, we're not going to have much success, I, I think, right, with a Eucharistic revival if people first don't come to know, know Jesus, right? I mean, it, it's, that, it's that simple, right? Unless there is first that conversion of, of, of heart and conversion of, of mind, right, it's not going to take, right? In other words, you don't first begin with, with doctrine or, uh, theology, right? I mean, you, you begin with the message of salvation. You begin with the person of Jesus, right? In the words of Jesus, come, come and see, right? Um, and, and, and until, you know, I mean, sin, as we traditionally teach, darkens the, the intellect, right? So if a person is caught up in, in sin, right? Or, you know, caught up in uh, ignorance, it's, it's not until they first come to know Jesus that, uh, you know, these things will, will take root. And so that's why I you know, I, I begin there, right? It, it begins first with the, the charisma. Uh, and I know for me, right? I mean, that's where uh, it began in, in high school, right? I had that charismatic experience as, as it were, to, as many high school age youth have, right? It was a Steubenville Youth Conference and there, you know, the charisma was presented, you know, very powerfully and, and compelling. And it was as, as a result of that, right? I, you know, I went to to confession and encountered Christ in, in the Holy Eucharist uh, during adoration and during procession and seemingly for the first time, even though I'd gone to mass all, all my life. Right. And so hence, you know, why we begin with that, the charisma is the foundation. And so, you know, moving into liturgy in the, in the church, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard slash seen this before. There's this, 
there's this uh, sometimes difficult transition between the kerygma and liturgy. And, you know, maybe that's for good reason, maybe, maybe not. But, uh, you know, my perception is that if we're not doing kerygma with, with a focus on the background, you know, like that we're, that we're moving towards liturgy, if we're not doing that, then we're, they're kind of setting people up for disappointment when we get to the liturgy part. Right. So that wow. second stage liturgy, uh, wh- what is that role in all of this? And, and how do we do kerygma in a proper way so that when we get to that, that part or that portion that we're set up for success? Yeah. So the, the Eucharist in and of itself, right. Is the sacramental embodiment of the kerygma, right? I mean, this is something that the U S bishops, uh, emphasize in their their document, right? The Eucharist and the mystery of the Eucharist and in the life of the Church, right? That the U- celebration of the Eucharist, the Mass, represents, you know, the the sacrifice of, of Christ on the cross in Calvary. And so, to that end, right? I mean, it can be very disappointing if the Eucharist is not celebrated well. Which I think, you know, in uh, his apostolic exhortation, Sacramentum Caritatis, right? Pope Benedict. You know, and I think this comes from one of the comments of the, the participants in the Synod of Bishops who were discussing the Eucharist, um, that the, the best catechesis on the Eucharist is the Eucharist celebrated well, right? And so if I go to Mass, right, I'm, I'm on fire, right, with, you know, because the curriculum has been presented to me, but I see the, you know, the priest just rush through, through Mass, right? He's in this great hurry, and this is, you know, maybe it's the first time I've I've been to Mass or, or seen Mass anew since, you know, uh, being on fire with the kerygma, it, uh, it sends a contrary message, right? And so w- we need to pay attention then to the Ars Celebrandi, right? How are we celebrating the liturgy, right? I mean, the, the Eucharistic revival gives everyone an opportunity to, to look and, and say, you know, it's especially if you are a minister, you're serving at the altar uh, in some way, right? I mean, you know, how am I serving, right? I mean, am I serving in such a way that speaks to, you know, the reverence, right? Are there things that we could be doing in, in our parish to help, um, you know, to, to beautify the parish, to help, uh, you know, hone people in, right? To help them to see that mystery unfold, right? I mean, I, I you know, I, and I'm sure many people have had that experience of, of liturgy not done well. I mean, so for example, you know, I was once, um, out of town on my way to the airport in a couple hours. And so I, I stopped the nearest parish you could find at a, at an airport. And, in, you know, the mass, the, the priest was walking up at his, his alb and literally just throwing his stole on as he's, as he's walking up towards, towards the altar. Right. Doesn't even so, so no, with, no pray, no tanda no, there, right? <laughs> no, no, no pray, no tanda. No, yeah, no chasuble. He's just, he's just walk, he's just walking up. And then, you know, the altar servers who aren't dressed up as servers, just some kids in right plain clothes come up, you know, one of them has a water bottle, not even a cruet, right? I mean, they add the water to, you know, to the wine and I'm doing my best. At some point I, I made the decision, just, just close my eyes and just, to just get through it. And even at communion, the, the priest, he didn't seem elderly to me, but he just, he didn't distribute. And the, the kids who were helping in plain clothes were, you know, were, were distributing Holy Communion, right? But what, the, it just, but all of that, right, it doesn't seem to match the, you know, the message of, you know, the wedding feast of the Lamb, right? It doesn't speak to to the reality, right? And so you, you so liturgy, you know, you want liturgy to be, to celebrated well, right? And there's some very basic things that, 
that we could do, right? Um, and so that, those are some of the things that I that, that I had in mind, right? Um, mm-hmm. So this constantly, I mean, I mean, things like the constant ad living, right? I mean, yeah, you know, and, and which which you know, I I don't get right, but sometimes ministers they just they they ad lib everything, right? Um, thankfully, not the the words of of consecration, but I've been at liturgies where that's where that's the case, right? But what kind mm-hmm. of message is that that sending, right? I mean, I think for any minister, um, and I think this is a, a point that uh, I can't think of his religious name, but then Father Martis, right, your predecessor, used to always mm-hmm. remind seminarians, right? In the words of St. John the Baptist should guide these seminarians, future priests, right? I must decrease, so he must increase, right? The minister must take a step back, you know, and allow, and allow Christ to shine through them. And that means just being obedient to what what the church asks us, right? To not feel the need to to innovate for the sake of of innovation. And just like just like we should have liturgy in mind during charisma, I would imagine uh, that the obvious uh, progression here would be that we have uh, diaconia in mind in liturgy at the same time, right? And probably during charisma. So, what's that third step, and how and how does that kind of lock everything? And I know we talked a little bit about that before in in terms of the active participation, but just kind of put a nice bow on this for us. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that beautiful, um, you know, it, once again, right, going back to Deus Caritas, that's right. Benedict 16 says the Eucharist draws us into Jesus act of self oblation more than just statically receiving the incarnate logos. We enter into the very dynamic of the self giving love, right? I mean, in the, during the mass, we hear those words, this is my body given up for you. This is the chalice of my blood that shall be poured out for you, right? And so that needs to be translated into how we love our neighbor, right? I mean, do, in, and how I relate to my neighbor first, beginning with people in, in my own home and among my friends and, and all those I encounter, right? I mean, do I live that sort of self-giving love, right? I mean, do I say to others by my actions and by words, this is my body given up for you? Or do I just simply say, this is my body, right? This kind of individual autonomy, uh, individualistic autonomy that seems to, to reign, right? Or do I truly live as, as a gift towards, towards others, right? I mean, the whole point of, you know, what sometimes people refer to as this horizontal, or excuse me, the vertical union, right? That relationship with God is that we might experience that, that horizontal communion, that perfect cruciform life, right? It begins with communion with God so that we might have that uh, communion with others, right? That's oriented towards Diaconia. One of the things that kind of came to my mind in terms of an image, especially with these three and, and how they're related and integral and, you know, connected, if, you know, look at a Venn diagram with, you know, three circles and where they all connect. And everything. But the image that came into my head is kind of like a triathlon, right? You know, if you, if you're, if you're in the kerygma part, right. And you're swimming, but while you're swimming, you're either, Maybe you only focused on swimming and you're like, oh, that's a, you know, I'm not going to worry about running or riding a bike. And then when you get to those things, if you're not prepared, it, the end goal, which is to finish the race, is going to suffer, right? We're all trying to finish the race, get to heaven and, and be made holy. But also if you're swimming, but the whole time you're thinking about cycling, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not focused on what you're doing. You can get distracted uh, as well. So you know, being prepared and doing things in the order and the hierarchy and the way that they should be done, I think is incredibly important. So that's where I really like about the way that you set these three things as a, as a template from Pope Benedict. So um, 
Rowan, thank you so much for your time here and breaking this down for us. We really appreciate you writing for Otter Ramos Bulletin. Uh, obviously, there's more opportunities for this to happen in the future, but, but thank you for your time and God bless.